keep on kissing babies and hugging fat girls. Sell out full of suffering, suck attach, son. It's me, Austin. Oh, son of a bitch. What? It's me, Austin. It was me all along, Austin. And you teeth look like two tight too, Billy. And you book a match with me. That's right, Killing. Look at me. I'm a total package. I will rip him apart. I'm pissed now. Where to, Stephanie? <laughs> Wrestle Roasts on ad-free shows and ATC. Welcome, everybody, to Wrestle Roast. I am your host, the King of Sad Style, Dan St. Germain. I'm here with Robert Carpolis, Scott Chaplin, and Mike Lawrence. And as always, our producer, Zachary Million. We got a fun show coming up. The Roast of the Ultimate Warrior. You guys excited? You, were you a big Warrior fan, Robert? I know, no, I know Mike was. No, I, I was a big Hogan fan as a kid, so... Uh, Warrior beating Hogan at WrestleMania was was my 9-11. So you were actually, you were sad about that. I was, I, not only was I sad about that, I had a friend that was a Warrior fan and we stopped talking for a couple weeks because of this. Oh like that, God. this ended and, and, and friendships. I mean, and, and at that point, how many friends did you have? Three? That, that's fair. But to be fair, he was <laughs> weird because he had like a bread allergy. So we couldn't oh. have, like, you had to be worried about anything you ate around him or he was going to die and. They were yeah. only allowed to eat Hydrox cookies. It was the weirdest fucking oh, thing. God. That sounds like a t- I had a friendship with we, uh, wrestling is one of those things where you, you it makes like strange and awkward bedfellows. Like I, I oh I man, have, yeah. I, I've had some friends that I I mean, I mean without I'd a say doubt, it still does. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm saying like this crew is like way better than some of the pay-per-view crews that I've had to hang out with, man. I'm not gonna like drop any uh, i've actually been to some with lawrence <laughs> oh god yeah we can't we can't really go into just yet but uh we'll just man, say cuckoo mania was running wild <laughs> it was uh it was it was uh it was quite the night folks um yeah. but before we uh get into the bright side of the ring we'll be talking about all the stuff we love about the ultimate warrior we got the roasted jerry the king lawler next week followed by big daddy cool kevin nash the Macho Man, Randy Savage, Batista's Sting, and Rob Van Dam. For Patreon, this Monday, we're going to have the roast of Dave Meltzer coming at you, and we're going to review Leprechaun Origins, uh, which I thought was going to be more painless than The Chaperone, because you, you physically can't get The Chaperone online. I don't know. Like, that's the, honestly, that's the most, like, Triple H's use of stroke is he's completely gotten rid of the chaperone. We yeah, can't it says it's it. not, you go on Amazon, and it says not available in your country. So well, I heard, didn't the Fed show up to that 19 kids and counting guys place because he downloaded it? <laughs> <laughs> 19 is, kids and counting, by the way, is our name of our Jerry Lawler episode next week. <laughs> 19 charges and counting. No, th- this, this movie is like, it's like that Jerry Lewis Holocaust clown movie that you can't find anywhere. Just like Triple H has an entire room of nothing but chaperone VHSs. Are you referring, Robert, to The Day the Clown Cried? Yes, of course. The legendary film. The most depressing part about The Chaperone and the reason why I was looking forward to watching it is the guy who directed it directed Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure and Mr. Holland's Opus. Mike was going through uh, his credits. It's insane. It's absolutely insane. What happened to this guy? 
Uh, Triple H, and maybe it was good, you know? Like, maybe it was a good idea. There needs to be a dark side of the ring just about directors who wound up doing WWE studio movies who all (laughs) had real careers and then wound up doing this. Well, what's weird about, well, okay, so this, the the one that we're reviewing this Sunday, and, you know, like, we're going to talk about it a lot this Sunday. I thought it was going to be better than the other options because we had put it up against Knucklehead, The Chaperone, and legendary that John Cena, Danny Glover, like heartstrings movie that nobody has ever seen. Um, I thought this was going to be better just because, oh, it's a horror movie. You can't really, you know, it's harder to make a horror movie as bad as it is a bad drama movie. It's just it's just tough because of the nature of the medium. But uh, man, they they come close because this is one gigantic piece of shit that I had to watch. And I tried to I tried to get off. um having to do like the recap bit by bit. So I was like, cause Robert takes really good notes. So I was like, Hey Robert, are you, uh, you taking notes on this leprechaun origins? And he's just like, yeah, man, I'm going to let you have this one. <laughs> so, I mean, it is really, it's a real piece of shit. I'm good. It's going to be us and Ben Mankiewicz dissecting this film. Uh... <laughs> but we're going to be roasted Meltzer. Uh, you know, I just wrote my jokes for today. We're also going to have Kurt Ryan on. And, you know, we're all about representation on this podcast, you know, like when, when we when, when we roast a when we roast a gay guy, we want to have a gay guy on when we when we roast a, a black person, we want a black person. on. But you know what? Uh, I, I, I don't know if that's diversity. I think that's like pigeonholing. It's like, yeah, it's like specifically bad. Okay. So we're okay, guys. So we're bad guys. Uh, and, uh, this um, this. This Monday is is, is going to be no different. I'm, everyone who thinks that we're kicking down with Meltzer, well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to introduce one of our hosts, newly diagnosed autistic Mike Lawrence. <laughs> along oh yeah, with congrats, Kurt Ryan. man. Yeah, congrats, uh, thanks, man. Uh, one one of the I I was diagnosed with autism spectrum disorder on Monday. And uh, one of the questions was, do you host a wrestling podcast? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I got the answer to that. And uh, yeah, for 10 bucks, if you want to become a uh, something, a sports entertainment fan, where me and Robert Karpolis uh, talk about Raw every money. This past week, I had to do it by myself. Uh, unfortunately, Robert had a passing in the family. And uh, my God, it was uh, reviewing Monday Night Raw by yourself uh, is the ultimate in space, no one can hear you scream. It is not for the not for the faint of heart, folks. I, I will say, since I, I did feel bad about missing something to sports entertainment with this Monday, I will be doing a bonus episode that I will be recording tomorrow where I am going to be talking about Eva Marie as part of the WWE women's division and why this is the best thing to happen to wrestling. I promise you it will make sense and it will be well worth your time. Not Are you that serious? Dan, oh yeah, 100%. Um, I was, I'm doing what you do. You wait to drop stuff when we're actually live on the air. Right. But yeah, I'm, I'm recording this tomorrow. I've already put together notes. It's going to make Eva sense. Marie why Eva be... Marie joining the women's division is the best thing to happen to the women's division, but you can only hear I it. I feel like you should have to pay them $5, but okay, I'm, I'm excited. I will say I don't think it's a bad thing. Can you believe Mickey James? You know, this girl gets fired. She's all like upset. We feel bad for her. And then Eva Marie gets hired and she laughs about it on Twitter. <laughs> not she's got, cool she's got a lot of free not time cool. scott this is this is what she can do that was a dude um, i'd say man kind of a dick that's what i'd say yeah okay, so women I'm helping gonna, women before we talk about the warrior i would like to to read off uh the filmography of the director of the chaperone steve herrick because it really you know you work in show business long enough you realize 
you can learn someone's entire story from their IMDb. So I literally tried to look this guy up to see if he had like Twitter. So I wanted to reach out and just be like, what the fuck happened to you? No, he it's very clear. It's, oh, yeah. Okay. So he, he wrote and directed the first Critters, but good, good movie. Then um, after that, he's just a director. Uh, he does Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Don't tell mom the babysitter's dead. Oh, I love that. Yeah. The Mighty Ducks. Like, these are all really good movies. Uh, the 1993, uh, The Three Musketeers, Mr. Holland's Opus, the uh, Glenn Close starring 101 Dalmatians. So these are like fucking heavy hitters. Are, yeah, that's a huge movie, the Glenn Close movie. Yeah. Then he does the Eddie Murphy film, Holy Man. Ooh. Then he does the Mark Wahlberg uh, rock star movie. Oh, I like that, man. Dude, that movie was hilarious. That's when he's like... Uh... When they're like, but can you sing like Bobby? Like at the yeah. at the press conference, and then he goes, "Can I sing like Bobby?" But it, and but he like it, hits a high note, and they're like, "He can. He's a genius." The least surprising part well. of this is that Scott loved that movie. <laughs> that was fun, then, man. Then he does Life or something like it. Was the Angelina Jolie movie where the trailer was all about she's told she's gonna die, but then I remember watching on a plane and she's alive at the end. <laughs> like what the fuck? Um, then Man of the House, the one with Tommy Lee Jones and the cheerleaders. Oh, oh you see the pattern here and after that after that it's mostly it's all direct to video stuff god could you imagine tommy lee jones uh being directed by you in a movie he hates that must be just one of the most painful experiences so pretty much any director he's worked with <laughs> i can't imagine that anything has ever brought that man joy well folks we are going to be bringing you a lot of joy when we talk about Dylan Posty, a.k.a. Hornswoggle, starring in Leprechaun Origins. Uh, we're also going to be doing the roast of Dave Meltzer. Now, there's no way that Dave hasn't heard that we're doing this roast because he has responded to tweets with people who have far less Twitter followers than we do. And I know we've tagged it. Um, do you think there's any way Meltzer, uh, Meltzer tweets about this, guys? Uh, no, I really don't. I mean, I think I, he I, only he only tweets about things when he feels like someone's incorrect. And like if I mean, we're not going to be incorrect about anything <laughs> we say. Yeah. I, they they, they said I, I used a binder clip to send it out. It's a staple. I mean, that's <laughs> ridiculous. Yeah, I think he will tweet us because um, us doing a roast about him isn't actual news. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, we're not going to get better than that. Let's start with the bright side of the ring. Probably the biggest Ultimate Warrior fan uh, on this podcast, Mike Lawrence. Mike, you want to you want to take us away? What 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 should we love about the Ultimate Warrior? I mean, I would not be doing this podcast if it wasn't for a the Ultimate Warrior and b all of my bullies. So um, he's he's what got me into wrestling. You know, I'm a comic book fan first. He was a living comic book character. He is if Rob Liefeld drew a professional wrestler. Um, the proportions are weird. He doesn't make sense, but he just looks cool. He was the first Hasbro I got. I always picked him in WrestleFest. Um, he's my guy. And I think that, you know, WWE is more about moments than matches. And I don't think anything exemplifies that more than the Ultimate Warrior. If you go through his career year by year, yeah, a lot of the matches aren't great. But he's got so many great moments. I mean, the moment with him and Honky Tonk Man is one of the best ever. Like, he 
beats a guy in 30 seconds who's held the belt for 454 days. That's just fucking awesome. And you instantly make a star. Um, then, you know, the Hogan match, it's just, there wasn't anything like that. Like those two guys were the guys and warrior won. you know, um, I think that, uh, yeah, his, you know, I always say like Roman Reigns is like if you asked an eight-year-old now to to draw what they think a man is, and I think yeah, ultimately they're like Warrior, bulletproof vest. <laughs> <exactly>. <laughs> but now he's taking it off because he feels safer. But because <laughs> he wants to be shot, like he's, you know, it's like a kid imagined him. He's just fucking awesome, um, and. You know, I know that him and Sting started together, but physique-wise, he just looks so much more fucking jacked. And so, like, my view of WWF versus WCW as a kid is Ultimate Warrior versus Sting. And I was a warrior mark. So he's, uh, I think that's the short of it. Just the best fucking theme song ever. One of the best entrances ever. It's just everything about him was spectacle. So there you go. I can't argue with that. I mean, he was the first action figure I brought. He there's a there is a good argument that he was the reason I got into wrestling too. Uh, you know, he uh, he just looks he looks like steroids are cool. <laughs> you know, like he's you know like he, uh, he he was a big star for that period. And I I think that like one thing that I will always give the Ultimate Warrior credit for is uh he did not get fucked over by vince man yes they released that uh like you know that dvd where they buried him but i mean as far as like like actually getting one over on the old man i mean the guy like fucked him on money a couple times that's yeah, he awesome. held him up right and, yeah, and i mean yeah, vince yeah. straight up just paid him give him what he give him what he wants yeah that's awesome you know especially like it's such like a carny business where everybody's like you know stabbing each other in the back it's it's kind of fun whenever somebody like out vince's vince yeah, and yeah. you're taught to, you know, and the documentary does this. I remember watching it when it came out. You're taught to think that anyone who holds up Vincer money or just does wrestling for money is a piece of shit. It's like, well, it's, no, it's like, they're the they're on the right side of history, if you ask me. Well, the thing, yeah, it's like, uh, and then they try to use that. They tried to use that on Jarrett too, which Jarrett was even a different situation than Warriors. Jarrett was just asking for the money Vince owed him. Yeah, <laughs> so. This this was uh, but you know, give it up for Warrior Man. That dude fucking you know he didn't love the business, and because of that, the guy got paid, man. And, and I will say this: like, it's a lot easier to do. Okay, I don't agree with any of Ultimate Warrior's political opinions, but it's a hell of a lot easier for me to go on stage in New York and do you know and talk about what I believe in than like Warrior going to like a college and saying all that shit in front of them. It's like kind of ballsy. I don't agree with it, but I'm like, like, dude, that's like, like he was getting chewed. Like, I don't know if you've seen any of these videos where he's been on the college lecture circuit, but he is getting ripped apart by these kids, like ripped apart in a way that almost nobody I know would stand for now. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he is he is like a. He did believe in freedom of speech. I do think he he's a modern day Lenny Bruce. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, and that he also didn't live to see sixty. Yeah, uh, yeah. Was... His his positive rec- critique is like a is like someone's positive critique of Lisa Lampanelli. You know, like, <laughs> calls it like he sees it. Like, okay. <laughs> 
and uh and then the other thing i'll say yeah i mean he seems like his uh his wife liked him a lot his kids liked him a lot and oh you know, man i read another thing though did you read the thing is his i guess his brother wrote no it was brutal that's what's so hard man it's like it, so i i never grew up watching warrior ultimate warrior to me was something that when I liked wrestling as a kid, someone older than me would go, oh, yeah, Ultimate Warrior. And then I'd have to be like, who the fuck is that? Because uh, I, had, I had no clue who he was. And then again, I was taught to hate him because of the self-destruction of Ultimate Warrior. Um, so I don't really have any sort of attachment to him. And then you see his like his actual opinions. And, and they're not even like political. It's just like. You just go, well, that's very rude. You know, like because <laughs> your uncle and you go like, well, God damn, why? Like, it's, it's so broad and specific and it's just, it, it's cruel. I mean, we'll get to it during the roast, but it's like, um, you know, if, if like a famous person would die, I mean, he, he's kind of like those, I, I, I don't even know what you call them besides saying a slur, but those people who like stand out in front of like soldiers funerals, he's like one of those people kind of. Oh, you like mean if a celebrity the, uh, would die, he'd be like, the "Great!" God hates, uh, F- yeah, F-A-G-S's. Like Fred Phelps. Fucking Fred Phelps. out there, Westboro weird Baptist dude. Church. Yeah, yeah, but the Westboro Baptist Church, they they believe in free speech too, and they should be commended for their their free speech, ah, right, Dan? Well, I, I will I will say this about the Westboro Baptist Church: uh, Fred Phelps did believe in civil rights. He was a civil rights hero in the eighties. Who's in there, Dan? Uh, There's no tougher crowd than a I, than a dead soldier's funeral. Dan, I'll tell you Dan that is much. Dan is taking. Try to get a reaction. Of, yeah. <laughs> You're taking side a little too seriously, buddy. I, no, but I'm saying that's Fred that is Phelps, true about Fred Mark. Phelps. Fred Phelps was like it was like Jim Jones. It was the same thing. Like they were very. Conscious about uh, you know black issues, even though they Fred hated Phelps gay people. Marks with Martin Johnson Jr. against black against gay people, guys. <laughs> <laughs> they would both be uh, infuriated by the Rainbow Coalition. <laughs> but the dude made money, and as far as I know, he made sure his kids uh, had shelter, and that's you know, it is all you can ask for from a you know. A, that's a more than Janetti. yeah i would much rather be ultimate warrior's daughter than marty Janetti's daughter um i I think for for me trying to come up with a bright side of the ring entrance music was was undoubtedly cool he was the epitome of sports entertainment uh he couldn't wrestle but vince turned him into a megastar with a lot of smoke and mirrors and he became the second biggest baby face of the era behind Hogan. He sold a ton of merchandise. Yes, he and the thing is, he fucked over Vince. He was gone forever. And then he comes back in the mid 90s. He fucks Vince over again. He's <laughs> dead to them forever. They bury him in that DVD, which I was there when they made that thing. And we all heard about it. And I was excited to see it. And it's like, this man will never come back again. It is scorched earth. Oh, he's going to be in a video game. Let's bring him into the Hall of Fame and make some more money off of him before he finally dies. Like that is why I love Vince McMahon um, as a businessman, because he genuinely will do whatever is best for the company, with the exception of, you know, Savage potentially fucking his daughter, which even that ultimately blew over. But the fact is, is Warrior fucked him over three times and is genuinely a monster to a lot of people. And now he is enshrined in the Hall of Fame. He's back in good graces and he's back in video packages. That's the thing that Vince holds that nobody else has. That's why Scott doesn't know why Warrior was so important, because once you screw over Vince McMahon, you're erased from history for a long, long time. 
So the fans that grew up in the Attitude Era and subsequent had no real idea of how important Warrior was because he was just edited out of video packages. In the same way, when Hogan went to WCW, he was minimized and not part of things anymore. It's why I sometimes get bummed when guys go to AEW, not because I don't think they're going to do good work in AEW, but it's like, I'm going to miss prime Chris Jericho highlights. I'm not necessarily going to miss big show highlights, but it's like Arn Anderson's now wiped off the face of the earth. You know, Paul Roma's the greatest horseman of all time. So I think that's part of it, why it's so challenging. And now that Warrior is welcomed back in, fans can know who he is again, as opposed to just that self-destruction DVD, which is an awesome burial job. I mean, WWE, the fact that Linda never got elected to office when they had that propaganda machine is insane. Uh, Robert, you can watch AEW and see Chris Jericho prime rib highlights every week. <laughs> uh, we'll get to uh, Dynamite and Sizzle later on. Uh, we also talked about how great his theme music is, right? We said that like oh, yeah. great theme. I mean, yeah. Yeah. looked probably cooler than like almost anybody, right? Who do you think had a better body, Scott? Him or Luger? Him, him. I don't know, man. End up deeper tan, deeper tan. I mean, I would say. In some ways, Luger's in the sense that he was able to go more. So maybe conditioning wise, like if I had to be in a, like maybe like it was impossible to be in the ultimate warriors, body. <laughs> no, we're talking about like what looked cooler. I, th- I mean, ultimate warrior just looks cooler than, I mean, Luger's colors are like the American flag colors. Yeah. I was just talking purely body, but uh, I, no, as, as a as gear wise, he blows him out of the, yeah, he's just like like one of the greats in terms of uh, visually stimulating, and I just mean like oh cool, not like oh hot, you know. Yeah, I don't yeah, know why Scott's, like, you guys can't see this, but <laughs> Scott's furiously masturbating right now. And I mean, you look at it right; it's like Austin still gets over without the glass shattering. Um, you know, I, I think a lot of guys still get over without their music, but the Warrior is the music. It's like if you don't have that, like. And I am the biggest mark. I don't know what you have. <laughs> to be does, does Val does Val Venus get over without the music? No, that music is fucking amazing. It is really it's good. so underrated. All right, folks, you guys ready to roast Ultimate Warrior? Sure. Yeah. All right, Zach. Uh, spin the wheel, make the deal, brother. Robert. Whoa! Uh, didn't see that coming. All right. Um, the Ultimate Warrior character is based on a shaman chief making him the worst thing to happen to Native Americans in smallpox blankets. <laughs> the Ultimate Warrior is the most universally hated wrestler of all time. And this is a list that includes people who murdered their families. <laughs> yeah, while Benoit did what, yeah, what Benoit did to his family was bad, but Warrior, now that guy's a dick. <laughs> Warrior, uh, Warrior wrestled as Blade Warrior Rock. Blade Warrior Rock was what Dan St. Germain used to call cocaine. (laughs) (laughs) Ultimate Warrior injured Bobby Heenan, which is why he always thought people said he had brain damage. That wasn't it. It's because he sounded like an incoherent fucking moron whenever he talks. Ultimate Warrior was known for a sudden burst of energy before blowing himself up and finishing quickly. Despite that, he still had two children. Dana, the power of the warrior is inside you. And I'm done. (laughs) (laughs) The most impressive thing about warrior is that he was able to even have kids after all those steroids. His balls were about as useless as his opinions on minorities. (laughs) 
if you were a warrior fan, you were one of his little warriors. And chances are you grew up to storm the Capitol. <laughs> Ultimate Warrior famously vomited during his feud with Papa Shango, an involuntary reaction when he found that he had to wrestle a black guy. <laughs> Later in life, Ultimate Warrior started to look like Ben Stiller in Dodgeball, which only upset him because he'd never want to be mistaken for a Jew. <laughs> During a speech at a college, Warrior told an Iranian student to get a towel because Warrior still wasn't over losing to Sergeant Slaughter. <laughs> the ultimate warrior is the most homophobic man to ever wear tassels in public. He famously <laughs> said that queering don't make the world work because he thinks the only thing that should go in your ass is a needle. <laughs> Interestingly enough, Warrior's ex-wife claimed he used to cheat on her in homosexual relationships. Apparently, he enjoyed taking it in parts unknown. <laughs> Warrior said that New Orleans deserved Katrina because the city was a pornographic cesspool of, de of decadence and depravity, which is also why it's hosted two WrestleManias. <laughs> the WWE created a Warrior Award in his honor to recognize people who demonstrate unwavering strength and perseverance. That's it. That's the joke. This racist, homophobic, <laughs> anti-Semitic, selfish, hypocritical, hate-spewing lunatic will forever be the symbol of strength and courage for the WWE. Kind of makes me wish the original warrior didn't die and get replaced by this asshole. <laughs> That's it. Uh, Robert Karpolis, everybody. Robert Karpolis. Damn. Here we go, folks. The Rose of the Ultimate Warrior. Ultimate Warrior looks like what would happen if Blanca fucked Tan Mom. <laughs> he 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 was known as Blade Runner Rock, Dingo Warrior, Jim Justice, The Ultimate, The Warrior, and Exhibit A in United States vs. McMahon. <laughs> Ultimate Warrior sounds like what a pastor calls a Christian in college who takes a virginity pledge. Uh, scientists say the Ultimate Warrior first formed from the beads of sweat off Mel Gibson's dad's forehead when he entered a synagogue. <laughs> Uh, he was the most colorful WWE superstar to regularly use the word colored. Even, even though Warrior blew up fast, even, oh, I really fucked that up. Warrior blew up faster in the ring than the bombs his fans left at abortion clinics. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. How amazing Dan blowing up during the Warrior blows up. <laughs> yes. How amazing Dan's joke being aborted halfway through. <laughs> uh, his favorite movie is Passion of the Christ, which makes sense because they were both terrible at selling. <laughs> his, uh, his final match was only broadcast in Spanish, which is what he was trying to warn us about, damn it. <laughs> I got to hand it to the warrior. Usually if you fuck Vince that hard, he either cuts you off or congrats on winning the WWE Diva Search. <laughs> uh, Hellwig in the Angry Inch is what the coroner called his dick after years of steroids. Uh, his finishing move, <laughs> his finishing move is the Gorilla Press Slam, which is also how Warrior describes an inner city poetry contest. <laughs> for a for a while, I thought Parts Unknown was what Goldust called his pussy. <laughs> Linda Hogan wanted to fuck Warrior to see if the tassels matched the drapes. <laughs> he looks like what happens when gas station employees go home from the night and the art on all the t-shirts comes to life. 
<laughs> he, he's what Trump thinks he looks like when he fucks. <laughs> In the Warrior comic book, he rapes Santa Claus. Jesus, I wonder why that one wasn't a hit with the kids, Jim. <laughs> it's not gay if he didn't want it. <laughs> and finally after years of character assassination bitter disputes about money and public burials the wwe let the ultimate warrior into the hall of fame proving to all the doubters that yes macho bang steph <laughs> <laughs> that's it for me folks scott all right ultimate warrior or as i like to call him Rod Stewart, if the urban legend was true. <laughs> he was the hottest act to mix war paint with gay culture since that Indian from the village people. <laughs> He's also the Native Americans the pilgrims would have saw if they landed on Fire Island. <laughs> it really is like he hates gay people because they stole his gimmick or something it's like the one wrestling thing about him uh oh being gay is unnatural he said as the steroid needle pierced through his spray tan skin he looks like if fabio pretended to get pussy <laughs> <laughs> i know what they look like <laughs> you sure man i don't think you dress like that if you get pussy it's uh <laughs> He wasn't painting his face. He was eating paint chips. The guy looks like a mad scientist who doesn't believe in science. He, he answers the question, what if Tarzan was raised by the apes that started AIDS? <laughs> he, said, he said he was glad Heath Ledger died. <laughs> yeah, way to blow the cover, Batman. <laughs> his name is legally Warrior Warrior. Uh, yes, he's so loud, even his signature has an echo. Just because it takes someone saying your name twice to snap you out of a trance doesn't mean you uh, mean that's your name. I wrote that like shit. Oh, my God, here's a bad one. Warrior Shtick made a lot of money despite his promos making no sense. C-E-N-T-S, guys. Uh, he's the nunchucks of wrestling. He looks awesome, but makes no fucking sense in any real way. Warrior's promos were incoherent, the wrestler said incoherently in his motel shoot interview. <laughs> he was selfish and didn't love the business, said the man who only loved the business and nothing else. <laughs> <laughs> he died of a heart attack. Uh, the, the heart does claim it was self-defense, though. <laughs> uh, his promo voice is Ace Ventura's ass. <laughs> <laughs> I must ask you. Okay, yeah, you know. Oh, man, let's see. Uh, he claimed to have not done drugs. Also, he hates drugs. So, like, he's just getting high off of high blood pressure. <laughs> Uh, and finally, Bret Hart said in his book that Warrior bailed on a Make-A-Wish kid uh, that he gladly met. No, Bret, it's Make-A-Wish, not Meet a Nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Uh, Scott Javelin, everybody. Scott Javelin was great. You know, I'd be able to beat that cancer. <laughs> <laughs> uh <laughs> 
You know he did take some pride in that. Warrior, the man that proves how much better Tom McGee's career would have been with face paint and a great theme song. (laughs) (laughs) The Ultimate Warrior is from Parts Unknown, which is also what he called trans people. (laughs) The Ultimate Warrior is my favorite wrestler, so this is hard for me. My jokes are going to be as half-hearted as he was the weekend of the Hall of Fame. <laughs> oh my god. He was jealous Hogan was a bigger star, but honestly, racism has always been more popular than homophobia. Until <laughs> he really hated gay people since insulting them was the only time he ever spoke in clear sentences. <laughs> I am going to crush the cockpit. Queer and don't make the world work. <laughs> I love this promos uh, because he practiced all of them in the same mirror he snorted cocaine off of. (laughs) (laughs) If you were a kid in the 80s, you either love Warrior or Hogan. But then as you get older, you think, you know, I'm actually a Randy Savage guy. He treated everyone equally except the wife he shoved in a locker. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, He is the best wrestler uh, that only knew two moves that didn't concuss Bret Hart. (laughs) He accomplished a lot for a guy that looked like a He-Man action figure of Henry Winkler. (laughs) Uh, As a Jew, it was nice to see someone come to the ring more gassed than most of my family members. Oh, Jesus. He said the Ultimate Warrior would live forever and then died the next day. And people say Hogan's a liar. (laughs) He shows up at the Hall of Fame, does a speech on Raw, and then immediately dies. It was such a good finish. I wouldn't be surprised if Pat Patterson walked him through that one, too. <laughs> I'm just kidding. He would never talk to Pat Patterson. <laughs> His tassels were actually made out of rainbow flags he ripped up himself. <laughs> My favorite moment was WrestleMania 12, where he destroyed Triple H so fast you think he was one of Stephanie's strap ons. <laughs> uh, he was left behind by his children and wife Dana Warrior who sounds like the final boss in a soccer mom video game <laughs> <laughs> you know uh, you know he, he passed and he wanted the Warrior Award to go to someone that personally inspired him you know like the guy that club <laughs> <laughs> You're, 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 I know what you said, but you just on the punchline, the uh, your like your Wi Fi went out, so it sounded like a rap song, like, like, like you went too far. Like, <laughs> oh god, I thought I just bombed really bad. <laughs> what, what, what was the joke? Uh, he wanted the Warrior Award to go to someone that personally inspired him, like the guy that shot up the Pulse nightclub. <laughs> oh, that's it. <laughs> Glad we went back well, that for was, that. Yeah, yeah, that was good. By the way, donate to uh, the Pulse uh, Note Nightclub Foundation. I <laughs> donate to them once a year. I do. Um, guys, that was uh, that was a lot of fun. Ultimate Warrior, we roasted you. <laughs> we owned your ass, we Warrior. Own- <laughs> Take that. What, what Kenny Omega is to now, the Ultimate Warrior was to 1989. No, no, <laughs> no, because we're not going to get we're not going to get as many hate tweets for this as we did about the Kenny Omega episode. I, I didn't uh, get any hate tweets. Oh God, you would have if you would. I well, posted I the clip on Monday and the vitriol of people like, "How dare you?" and and this oh, is really? what's wrong with wrestling fans. Like, yes, because we we dared to attack the sacred cow that is Kenny Omega. But when, now that. 
now that we're back to Warrior, it's going to be sunshine and rainbows again. Oh, yeah, so. of course. Nobody cares about fucking Warrior, including, because... including 90% of WWE, by the way. <laughs> I, I just saw that we all got uh, first-class tickets to go to Kentucky. Um, uh, <laughs> we're all invited to fuck Cornette's wife because that's how good our Kenny Omega roast was. <laughs> that's definitely yeah, but a bu- problem. Is Zach's no picking play. the order, so we're in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> that be fucking. We love to fuck Jim Cornette's wife and Zach's just in the corner. Roberts. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I think that that's like we all get a pass in that cheating situation, right? Like it's not real. No, I mean, that's if not anything, cheating, no. We had to go to therapy. No, <laughs> no that's something. That's like a donation you brag about. Yeah. So. If your wife understands that you do the podcast, she'll understand you have to fuck Cornette's wife. Dan, I think it's cheating if you fuck them, but it's not if they fuck you. <laughs> All right, folks, let's move on to show and hell. For this week, we decided to look at Ultimate Warrior's opinion appearance on Arsenio Hall uh, leading up to WrestleMania 6. I like that. For show and hell, we decided to look at Ultimate Warrior's opinions. <laughs> <laughs> well, we had, we've already looked at, uh, I think it was either on a total F and Marks, maybe it was on a Wrestle Roast, but we did. We did look at the Ultimate Warrior's uh, college speech. Um, there is an A&E special coming out uh, i i tape for there i'm not going to be in it but it, it should be pretty good um and i think they do address some of that stuff i i i, I don't know well, you um, know what's interesting about that is that like they were like 18 year old kids in what like 2005 so even if he wasn't homophobic it's not like they still would have liked <laughs> the speech <laughs> yeah 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 but although like you could tell there were some people there that like we're just kind of like like there was a couple guys that were just warrior fans that were <laughs> that were like look I just wanted to, I just wanted him to sign this yeah there this there's one person who was title. booing just because they thought warrior turned heel like it wasn't <laughs> there was one person that was upset that he wasn't warrior enough like I didn't mind the homophobia but why didn't he shake the ropes afterwards <laughs> yeah <laughs> I also hate gay people can you talk about your feud with Dino Bravo. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's a guy pretending to be homophobic. <laughs> Just to talk like, to him. Yeah, yeah. It makes me sick when they kiss too. Yeah. What was it like feuding with Macho Man and ending his career? So, so do you still have the weasel suit that Bobby Heaton wore? <laughs> what university was bringing him in, by the way, as an illustrious guest speaker? I think it was UConn. Jeez. Which like, I feel gone. like they did that on a dare. I mean, they have a good women's basketball program, right? Yeah, All right. I knew it, was, it was Scott that said the fact that he legally changed his name so that he could own the copyright is fucking badass. That me. makes me, that's a, that's my favorite thing. I was going to mention that during Brightside, but just as a lawyer for someone to be like, oh, you own the intellectual property. Cool. I'm going to change my name and force my wife and children now to have to go by Warrior. How long until she legally changes it to something better? Because that's I feel bad for his kids. What, like, like Bravo. <laughs> Um, maybe Warren Itis. He seems to swoop in there. <laughs> uh, hey, you like wrestlers? Well, let's get let's get back to. Oh, and by the way, we're going to be again roasting Jerry the King Lawler next week, and for next week's show in hell, we're going to be doing Eddie Gilbert's famous promo about Jerry the King Lawler. Oh, this is Doug Gilbert. Doug Gilbert. Doug Gilbert. Sorry, not Eddie Gilbert. Sorry. Doug Gilbert. Yeah, you don't want to fuck that one up, I guess. Um, 
But yeah, check it out. It's it's one of the wildest promos. Hey, I have it's a, probably I have a the wildest are, are, promos. Are, are there any... See, Hyatt made that mistake too, but switch mixing up between Eddie and Doug. <laughs> <laughs> Was Doug Gilbert any good? No, right? I don't think so. Are, but has I there ever been a good him. Doug in wrestling? I mean, he caught Doug's... one great promo that we're going to talk about next week. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, uh, Scott. Doug Furnace was pretty good. Oh, I don't know who that is. Uh, Furnace on the front. They, they've you got a really, bunch. Of, you're really you know, reaching. He's pretty good. He was he was one of those like wrestlers, wrestlers kind of thing. Furnace and Lafont were they were in they were in the WWF at a time where they shouldn't have been, but where they wrestled elsewhere, they were they were good. They're uh, a real NWA power act. Yeah, D- Doug Furnace, uh, last name, uh, comes from the place where Stu Hart assaulted children. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, folks, uh, let's get to show in hell. Uh, Ultimate Warriors on Arsenio Hall. I actually love this, man. There's, there's a point where you think, um, like when Ultimate Warrior comes and sits down with Arsenio Hall, he grabs Arsenio's hand, and you really think they're about to dance. Because they kind of <laughs> do like a move where he like, spins um but yeah man our this is more of like a testament to our, i thought warrior actually was pretty good in this and kind of got what was going on which like a lot of the times hogan doesn't you know like but like part of the reason he got what was doing on is like arsenio was the ultimate ball player man like if you want to see like a guy being professional um arsenio hall interviews jason and has to like act scared and shit he's like he's like what every single like film and tv shows publicist wants like during a press tour is is arsenio hall uh but yeah so that, that's basically all the nice things i guess but suppose that way you know it's just a dumb fucking interview but uh i mean unless you're vanilla ice have you ever seen that interview yikes no what did, what did he just tell him like for like like trying to steal black culture or something yeah like he he came out with flavor Flav. <laughs> and- oh he did yeah, and 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 I think I think that's what it was. And and Arsenio was like, "You guys aren't even friends. <laughs> Did you just do that to seem cool?" <laughs> he like just calls him out for it. <laughs> well, yeah, and then he was he was pretty rough with like the gay rights activists too. But you know, besides that, he was uh, he was really good with. I uh, mean, I, that's a more nuanced thing. I, I mean, if you that was a more nuanced thing where it's like he was like, "No, I have gay people on all the time. I just can't say they are." <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, they have to. They would have had to say it because they were heckling him. They were like interrupting the show and stuff. Um, yes, it was. It was during that. Um, like it was. It was during like um, how to stop a plague time, right? Like that yeah. was a great documentary on HBO about it. Um, all Thanks right. For in for the roast of Arsenio Hall. This is uh... look. I'm giving you guys. Uh, you know the, the AIDS fight facts today. Guys, this I'm is the Ultimate you... Warrior uh, episode. This is how to restart the plague. <laughs> I'm guys giving you guys uh my freedom of speech arguments. This is just me slow rolling trying to get on Rogan's podcast. Um <laughs> this is Dan watching too many warrior interviews. <laughs> that guy made a lot of sense. Yeah. <laughs> All right. What did yeah, you I watch this? this uh I'll, I'll talk about this 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 clip. I thought yeah. this was awesome. Mike and Mike's internet died. Yeah. Say it again. Say it again. I was going to say, yeah, um, this clip was awesome. Arsenio and Regis were the best at this stuff. Yes, Uh, Arsenio was. I mean, Regis was great, too. I forgot about him. uh, Not counting Kathy Lee, who always seemed mortified. (laughs) (laughs) Most likely beforehand, like it was like like Jake showing him who showing Kathy Lee his dick or something. You know, I mean, there's there was more to that story that we didn't know. 
Yeah, or like being upset that like Frank didn't help them get into the NFL or something. <laughs> but yeah, no, this was this was awesome. This was like the week of WrestleMania six. This is like peak warrior. He runs out. He comes off fucking like a star. And uh, this was like five minutes. This is like I love that. Like they even knew that he would get gassed in an interview, so they kept the interview short. <laughs> <laughs> but this was—I mean, this is like a different era when you know now they want everyone to be media savvy in WWE, and they all come off the same. But like back then, they were like in character, kayfabe, and fucking felt like stars. Yeah, I mean, it was, uh, I mean, that show was just, was like kind of ahead of its time. Although they they tried to bring it back, I guess it didn't work that great. I don't know. I didn't, I didn't care for this. I think my issue with it was rest, I, I'm, and I'm very protective of wrestling. I think that's part of what it is. And anytime wrestling, especially then or somewhat later, was in the mainstream. You know, you're protected of wrestling because you just complimented uh, Doug Furness. I'm trying to think of the best Doug. I mean, I'm not saying he's the best wrestler. It's like you give me a limited, you know, pool of guys. It's like, who are the best guys from Cleveland? I'm like, oh, it's got to be the Miz. Like, there's, I'm not saying the Miz is the best ever, but no, you heard like it. The Robert Miz just said Miz is the best ever. I Keep like going. Miz. If I had a roster of Mizs, I'd be very happy. Anyway, <laughs> oh, what I what annoyed me about this is wrestling didn't have that kind of exposure a lot, and it would when it would be in the mainstream, people that didn't know what wrestling is would think, oh, this is what wrestling is, and it's stupid. Warrior went out there and did his warrior shtick. And when you're an arena full of people who are in on it or all on board, it's awesome. When you're on a talk show and he's like, Hulk Hogan, you will pay. It's like you sound like an idiot and the audience is laughing at you. And then anybody who likes wrestling must be an idiot because they like it. That's Robert, I gotta, I gotta disagree with you here because the the other the, the other alternative was <laughs> Jim being Jim, and I think that that would have maybe canceled WrestleMania. Right, but if you, I think that there are certain times like Conan would do this sometimes where they would have a wrestler on in character for a bit. They wouldn't be there to do a sit down interview yeah. where it was like you don't interview the guy. You have Warrior come out there and bench press the couch and then you know yell for thirty seconds and he's gone. You don't treat it like this is a sit down interview with a character and he comes across like a goofy idiot. And it's like I can picture people watching this and thinking, all right, wrestling is dumb. And if you watch it, you mm -hmm. must be dumb. It's why I always liked when they had wrestlers that were savvy about media and they would go on a regular show, like when The Rock went on Saturday Night Live and he didn't fall over himself. And they were like, wow, he's really talented. Maybe there's something to this. And, and these guys have more depth than just the character that's on there. And it, it elevates the product versus what Warrior did here, which was just Arsenio reacting and trying to play it cool, um, which was funny, but it made Warrior look like a goof when he's going into the main event of WrestleMania. Uh, I, I wonder, though, like if maybe they sat, they had a pre-interview where like Arsenio's like, hey, Jim, why don't you just be yourself? And then Jim's like, all right, uh, well, I just want to compliment you on being able to get out of the ghetto and make something of yourself, unlike your brothers and sisters. He's like, you know, do the character, Jim, do the character. <laughs> um, what did you think of this, Scott? Uh, yeah, I liked it. I, I, I mean, I, again, I didn't grow up on Ar Arsenio either. Uh, but I did watch a lot of like uh, clips of Arsenio when I could. I, I I always think it's a really fun show, and yeah, I thought this was fun and stupid. I mean, Robert does make a a point in a sense. It's definitely embarrassing, you know. But like, luckily from the clips I've seen of Arsenio, like there's only ever been two people on there that weren't embarrassing. So 
it's like everybody kind of acts, it, it, it's, ran it's amok. Kind of, it's kind of like, you know, it is a bit much. It's like somewhere in between a late night show and like a Saturday morning cartoon show. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's like, you know, he had five minutes to sell the pay-per-view and I thought he did because for every person that's like, this is embarrassing, there's that kid, this is fucking cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also, it's like, what, what, what are you? I mean, he can't like be like beast. He can't, you know, have glasses on and speak intelligently on the psychology of how he's approaching mania. So it's just like, yeah, scream. Why, why thank you, Arsenio. I appreciate you enjoying the theatrics. Me and Mr. Uh, Hulk Terry Blair Hogan. <laughs> All right, let's get, let's move on to Dynamite or Fizzle, where we were hearing does the world work <laughs> where we where we review uh where we review this past week's edition of dynamite and this was a huge edition of dynamite blood and guts uh the second hour was blood and guts which we'll get to but uh the first hour was uh let me just give you a quick recap retaped and, and powerful yeah <laughs> mox, mox and kingston versus knock and omega uh darby gets thrown down some stairs by all ego ethan page and scorpio sky cody rhodes versus qt marshall with a uh, anthony agogo post-match run-in Britt baker in action against some jabroni the tag team eliminator four-way with the varsity blondes jurassic express scu and the acclaimed scu going over and the double or nothing championship announcement which wasn't pre-taped that was right before our blood and guts matched where we saw a little back and forth between Kenny Omega and Orange Cassidy. Orange Cassidy will be fighting Pac next week to determine who fights Kenny Omega at double or nothing. What did you guys think about this first hour? Let's start with Robert. Uh, it, there was some good, there was some bad, and there was some QT. Um, I think the Moxley and Eddie Kingston storyline thing was it was fine. It was exactly how they needed to play it for that moment. Um, the QT Marshall Cody Rhodes match, if nothing else, if you're portraying this as live, when Cody pulled down QT's trunks and it was blurred, that was a big flashing sign of this was pre-tape, but they still had the live bug in the top corner, which is annoying. And I'm AEW, not saying- by the way, we're not we're not criticizing you for blurring. QT's yeah, ass. no, no, no. Keep nobody needs to see that. Um, <laughs> just like nobody needed to see QT Marshall versus Cody Rhodes in a straight up wrestling match. Uh, but that that whole match was really strange. And I'm hoping this is the end of the feud and they can now transition to that a go go guy and Cody, which would be which is infinitely better. Um, giving a doing a straight match with QT and Cody where Cody does like the back rake, which Jim Ross has already said on his podcast is the dumbest move and he hates it. And it's only done by people who have no talent, which is why Hogan would do it. And then they busted out here. It was just, it was really weird. Uh, the the four-way tag match was a foregone conclusion because we knew it was going to be SCU, even though Scott pitched that it should have been the Young Bucks costing them the match and it didn't happen. The highlight of that match was the acclaimed in their rap, who these guys are baby faces and they just don't know it yet. When they talked about how the Varsity Blondes were going to wind up on Dark Side of the Ring someday was <laughs> fucking fantastic. Uh, I love the Yuji Nagata, John Moxley video package. I thought that was really well done not knowing the story fully and then completely understanding it. Like I always get an AEW for not doing it. They did it. It was great. Omega talking about how it's Pac versus Orange Cassidy. He got me really excited to see him versus Pac. And then Orange Cassidy came out. And then of course my wife walked in and that promo went on and on and on. And she's just like, 
did, did they not know they're still on camera? Like, can Tony not cut them off? And I'm like, I, I don't know. This can't get worse. And then Miro came out and cut a promo and it was basically the same thing. They got to get better at those live. Promos. God, what did you think of this hour? I, I like the first hour. Um, okay. So the Cody QT thing, right? Uh, I liked the Agogo ending. I like that camera shot. It's like the one camera angle they got right. Uh, <laughs> where, where he puts the, he drapes the flag over him. And now next week, uh, Cody is, is going to make an, an announcement about what he's doing at double or nothing and there's no way he's just challenging a go-go so gogo's background is what what is his background he's a boxer he was an olympic um, boxer and then did a subway ad. Han, Han, i mean i'll say on god because i don't you know i just shit on a dead man for a half hour but um on god i think cody is going to challenge him to a real boxing match and that's what we're going to get and it's going to be some awful logan paul shit and i really think he's going to actually box anthony a go-go and uh and there's no wait he's gonna get killed if that happens yeah i think he's a moron i don't know i'm just saying i don't know this guy's credentials he's the real deal right <laughs> yeah i Cody think so yeah. agree to box him well no, it's gonna be no. something really uh that we don't enjoy i don't like that he's making an announcement about it instead of it just happening it it, it it's like every announcement has been like um i bought a, a new house you know and we go what the fuck so like <laughs> I'm just not looking forward to whatever's going to benefit him, his life and not mine. I thought the new Mortal Kombat was better than people are saying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a lie and you know it, Mike. That movie was fucking brutal. <laughs> Man, I, I, I enjoyed it. Uh, my, Mike, what do you what do you think? Uh, what did you think about the whole QT? First off, what do you think about? I Actually, I want to ask this about um, I want to ask this to Scott. Like the tombstone reversal sequence between QT and Cody in that match. I was like, do these guys think they're Okada and Omega? Like, no brother, it's HBK taker. And it felt like that for a moment. <laughs> That's I mean, why QT, like great. QT makes wrestling look so hard. Like he le- makes it look legitimate. Like every time he tries to lift Cody up, it's the hardest thing you've ever seen somebody do in their life. So he is, he's either defending kayfabe to no end, or he's the worst wrestler ever. And shout out to whoever pointed out that sign in the crowd. That was QT's real fan. And somebody's like, no, that's Robert. I'm like, you're goddamn right it is. <laughs> I think it said OnlyFan. Oh, it was OnlyFan, no. Which, which you know, when he, when he saw when he saw QT's ass, it made me think about him being on OnlyFan. <laughs> <laughs> QTNA, Marshall. <laughs> like I like I, I did I, I like the tag match. Um Okay, the Darby thing. Uh, what I actually a, dug that. What an awesome spot. I mean, to, to fall yeah. down those steps like that. Yeah, that, that was really badass. Uh, dude, the Scorpio Sky line, I didn't get it at first when he did the, the Riddle. Batman thing. He was thing? like, Riddle yeah, me this. Riddle me that. Batman forever. Yeah, that's, yeah, Jim Carrey. Yeah. And, uh, oh, and by the way, how great is it that Ethan Page clearly listens to this show when he's like, you and I feuded, but nobody cares about shit that happened that nobody actually saw? <laughs> You know, he's been growing on me, man. I thought he was really good in this segment. You know, I, was, oh, I thought Ethan Page was, was was very good. And and now you have uh, Miro. I mean, I guess we'll get to that promo or if we're talking about it now. But Miro's going to challenge Darby next week and obviously beat him. Right. So. What is it uh, just going to be like the Brody Cody fight again? You think it's just going to be like a, just yeah. a massacre? Yeah, but the only difference is, um, well, was Cody hurt during that? No, right? Because no, but it was, Darby it was a similar story where it's like, well, no, yeah, the hurt thing wasn't happened, but it's 
you know, I mean, it's the same story they've been telling with the TNT title. It what, you know, like it's the workhorse title, and eventually, you know, the horse has to get put down. Yeah, well, you know, you got you got to put the title on Miro, so at double or nothing, he has an open challenge, and Joe comes out and they brawl. And other lies I tell myself to keep watching. No, myself. no, Scott, you gotta think, you gotta think <laughs> this more logically and sad, which is gonna be Miro's gonna beat Darby because Darby got thrown downstairs. And then Miro's going to keep beating him up. So Singh's going to try to make the save and that's not going to work. So Lance Archer is going to come out and we'll wind up getting Archer and Miro at double or nothing. It's almost like I know what I'm doing sometimes, but that's probably where they're going. Yeah, I kind of like this. that. I kind of like I that. think that would be the, that would be the more interesting match and elevate the TNT title. Well, I'm just glad Lana is not the company. So she doesn't have to interact with Jake. I, uh, I, I was going to say, um, QT and Cody is Undertaker and Michaels if they're both the cameraman who didn't catch Taker. <laughs> <laughs> it's, guys, it's hard. With Why did, did Cody just blade out of nowhere in that match? No, I think the... that was an accident. Because it was so weird. Dude, I, because I, especially I, I on a show like it. this, you yeah. go, there's no way Jericho wants anybody to bleed tonight besides anybody in that match. I think but, it was but, an accident. But to your point, Scott, um, you know, the Darby stair tumble was by far more brittle than anything in the main event. Like in terms of like pacing and agents talking to each other, like you even had two shitty berets in different segments. Like the young bucks came out with a shitty beret, and then a go-go came out with a shitty beret. It's like, yeah, but he just oh. is British and thinks that was that. Yeah, was, but, that, like, but looks they're, good. they're learning from their lessons. Now they know to put, Darby in a fat suit and let him walk out to Judas, you know? And <laughs> <laughs> uh, you could good. push him in the bump. I, um, what, what better segue for our hour to blood and guts? Sorry, sorry, Mike. That's all right, man. Um, well, yeah, the opening, it was fine. I mean, Kingston is the best promo and he's wrestling more than promoing, which is not good because he like his wrestling it's pretty outfit. Pretty good for match, like, but... No, like Kingston not cutting promos is a terrible idea. He needs to be cutting promos. That's what he's good at. When he wrestles, he looks like a guy who gets a cannonball shot at him at a carnival. Uh, (laughs) There's just nothing spectacular without story and promo with that guy. So it was fine. I mean, the tag thing was a jumbled mess to me. I mean, you know, I watched the first hour of Dark Side and God, like, if you're going to get anything from your dad, could it be his charisma? Because he don't have it. Oh, and you don't think he has charisma? I think he has charisma. Not in the ring. I mean, sure. Well, yeah, I think he has charisma. I mean, but like Brian Pillman was like a once in a lifetime with the loose cannon, all that. This guy's in a throwaway tag team that's mostly on YouTube. Oh, there's he's time, much, baby. There's he's time. He's a young on. man. I'll, def- I'll defend Pillman Jr. in that he's a shitty baby face, but he's a great heel. We first well, had him on MLW as a baby face. Oh, I know. Man. I'm just saying. He's a guy who's miscast right now. When he's a Weasley heel, he's fantastic. As a shining baby face, he ain't his dad. Uh, look, if you're going to, if you're going to look guys, if you're going to shit on anybody in the Pillman family, family, please be it, be the wife that is still alive. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Melanie. Yeah. That was brutal. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Like, uh, well, talk about the anti-Martha. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like, why did like, you say that name? Sorry. <laughs> as, as far as wrestling widows, they're like the Schwarzenegger and DeVito and twins, you know? How is that not a reality show on AE? <laughs> sure, wrestling widows? That would be the worst. Can you imagine? Uh, oh, wrestling funny. widows, they're, they're all like 32. <laughs> <laughs> they're, yeah, they're hotter than the uh, Real Housewives by like a million. 
Um, all right, let's get to our. our oh, I wanted to just yeah, yeah, absolutely. I asked uh, our our fans last night our our uh, our roast to the top uh, universe. Um, <laughs> definitely need a better name. Uh, we'll, we'll come up with one. But I asked uh, the Twitterverse, um, what should the stipulation be if QT and Cody uh, have a blow-off match at Double or Nothing? So I'd like to read some of those answers. First off, I was really scared. Before you read those, I was really scared because I had I had seen that before I'd watched the match. So I was really scared that it was like a non-decisive finish and that we were going to see this match at Double or Nothing. So I just want to thank the universe that we're not going to, we're probably not going to see this match. Well, um, that would be bad booking. So there's chances we are, uh, <laughs> we have, uh, from, uh, fat nuts five, uh, loser <laughs> stays in town, stuck in Jacksonville forever at daily's pace becomes the gender or sells hot dogs. Uh, <laughs> at chat mannequin says an emptying arena match. <laughs> <laughs> uh, at, at Huskers 88 says the winner gets to play Chris Benoit in a remake of Family Ties. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Bird 88 says loser has to watch QT Marshall matches. Uh, actually, that would that would actually help QT. I think. Um, yeah. At Dota, That's what I look like. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Dodes McGoat says flag match. Just imagine the QT and on logo waving in the breeze. Then the loser gets adopted by Billy Gunn. <laughs> uh, at Chum One AK, a loser asks JR, What's wrong with wrestling? and listens silently. Match <laughs> <laughs> uh, at uh, Ken Hanley says hair versus plugs match. <laughs> uh, at ND Hockey Band says go to sleep match. Uh, Excellent. Uh, let's see here. Um, uh, we got if QT wins, he gets a shot at the women's title. That's from Mini Transit Antonio Top. Uh, <laughs> at Belly Float says three stages of hell, which is just three more Cody versus QT matches. <laughs> <laughs> uh, at McCoy one one oh eight says a last man watching match. <laughs> oh, shit. At the giant cassette says winner raises Brandy's child. <laughs> At Bertland 19 just says board games. <laughs> and this is uh this is my favorite one. Uh at Don Hashi says loser has to roast New Jack to his face. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Oh, this one I forgot. Great. At me, KIPWI. Loser has to double date with Chris Jericho and his wife at a Black Lives Matter protest. <laughs> I mean, that would have been, that's kind of like a fun thing to watch, you know? I just want to say, we got some funny fucking fans, everybody, for participating. And we'll keep uh, games like that going and stuff. It's fun. Look, we have the best fans in the world, and it's the best wrestling podcast in the world. And you can quote me, folks. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck you, Jeff Jarrett. Kurt Angle. <laughs> Um, all right, let's get this. We haven't even covered the second hour yet, guys. Hour two, the actual blood and guts match. I guess I'll start off by saying, man, let's just let's just put a moratorium on crash pad spots for a while, guys. Like, I I'm totally fine with using crash pad spot. And I get like, I don't want to hear the fucking argument of like, what do you want him to get hurt? I'm like, well, no, I don't want him to get hurt. But like, 
but like for instance like him just putting him in the salt of the earth for longer like putting it in with like a barbed wire gimmick with it like that would have made more sense to me than the you know i'm gonna throw this guy off the bridge and let's scream back and forth thing uh so yeah i i i was just i was not a fan of that and uh and um oh this is about the first hour the qt cody thing Scott made me laugh so hard with this QT act out. At some point, he's got to bring it out uh, as far as like how, how QT would get heat for a fall, for a match with Cody. And I don't know if I've laughed harder than that. Oh, no, I was dude. I was like scrambling my brain about how a couple of weeks ago QT got on that goddamn bus, Cody's bus, and they never explained it and what he did on the bus. And so I was hoping this week, instead of a match, you could just continue the feud by QT saying, you know, hey, this is what I was doing on the bus. And they show like on the Tron, like video footage of him sneaking into the bus and Brandy is sleeping in the bed, you know? And Cody's like, no, you son of a bitch. No. And QT puts down the camera and creeps up to the bed. And he's like, you son of a bitch. There's no way. And then uh, QT fucks the dog. (laughs) (laughs) And then Cody's like, you fucked my dog. And he's like, you're goddamn right. And it's like, what? Like owned, you know that's. He's not good at getting heat, but he's good at getting a dog in heat. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so then, dude. So then, I said that. I texted that, right, dude. I'm not lying. An hour later, Brandy Rhodes uh, Instagrams a photo of her dog in a in a a cast. (laughs) It broke its arm. (laughs) So you know what happened, bro. This is all I'm saying. Air owned. Oh, that fucking My wrestling conspiracy dog was forced to suck QT Marshall's dick. I can't believe it. All right. Well, let's go do this. And, and the other thing I want to say, which I'm sure Scott's going to bring up too, but um, look, man, I understand if you have to wear like a jumpsuit because, you know, you've eaten, you've eaten one too many mini muffins on the Jericho cruise, but holy good God, like you should not be making the rest of your team also make wear that gimmick i mean sammy's got a great body why are you hiding it with some sort of men at work outfit give me a break i mean also why are you wearing penitentiary outfits after tyson's teamed up with you (laughs) (laughs) next uh when he gets fatter he's gonna be like okay we're each ninja turtles (laughs) and there's just (laughs) giant shells around their stomachs (laughs) it's like they're all man i i i'm a jericho apologist this last night, it was tough, man. He was just moved. When you see him with like nine other guys and he's moving so much slower than even the big guys, it's like, I don't know, man. It's, it's, it's getting close to the end, buddy. Uh, and, uh, but I, I overall like this match. I'm a big Sammy Guevara guy and I thought he looked like a star in this. I thought he was one of the uh, highlights of this match. I love him as the inner circle lackey. Like the guy who was like, put me in there first. And, uh, you know, I, I thought, yeah, the ending sucked. And I agree with you, Dan. I hate, I fucking hate the argument that, oh, so you want people to get hurt. Oh, so you were against Matt Hardy, but now you're against this. It's like the camera angle sucked. It was clearly cardboard. Just to think it was metal <laughs> and concrete. It's like. No, just don't insult my intelligence. Like, there's other ways to do it. And or that use was... black cardboard. Like, paint the cardboard fucking black for Christ's sake. Like, it was like it was like these weird small, re- like instead of one long sheet, 
and letting that just kind of break in itself. It was like a bunch of tiny rectangles. Again, this is supposed to be the stage. It's also, I mean, you know, I said it. We already saw a guy fall downstairs, which looked way more fucking painful. Because it and was it, way more also, painful. You know, it's the fact that, like, you know, between this, because you can't bring this up without the uh, exploding barbed wire death match. It's like, these guys really are fucking working hard. And they're putting in a great effort. I thought the storytelling here was really good. But yeah, if the end sucks, then that's what people are going to remember. These are two first time matches in the company and you kind of have to fucking nail them. <laughs> and, 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 and there's no way. And I know a dude, I love AEW so much. I loved this show last night. I thought it was fun. I watched it twice um, and I thought it was cool. I mean, I'll talk about my issues, but um just like don't i don't know just glaring glaring shit you're be honest about your errors like because i i i I just i i don't know he's gonna do he's gonna recover in two weeks because of this or like does he show up next week and act like does he have an excuse like omega had an excuse you can't do that right like you can't say the ground just was fortunately enough quicksand right there like you can't do a (laughs) the wiring was off thing so it's just like, please go away for a while. But then you have this weird double or nothing is in like two weeks. And so you need Jericho there. So it's like, that's why it's bad to me. It's like, dude, I haven't seen a, a, like a high spot aside from someone getting actually hurt. They all look like shit, man. There's no Shane McMahon high spot in the last 15 years that looks good. They all look very bad. I, I will like forgive you on that looking bad. I'm not going to forgive you on me not being emotionally connected for some reason the last two minutes. And like, I I know the art department's getting some shit and maybe I'll get some shit for saying this, but MJF made a mistake up there where he, he, he didn't like walk away from Jericho and celebrate up there after he won. He still just remained with Jericho as if he was about to throw him. It's like, give us the impression that the idea is I'll throw him unless I, unless you quit. And so they quit. And then it's like, act like you won and it's good and then throw him. But he just acted like he was going to throw him the whole time. So then it just comes off super hesitant and awkward. Then you get a camera shot of Jericho talking to him. And it's like, if you're scared to do the spot, don't do the spot. And it's, yeah, it was just like, that's why I didn't like it. It's the fact that on paper, this fucking rules. Dude, on paper, this show is the, the coolest. And then the execution is like, it's just unfortunately a dud because of these errors that, yeah, I don't know. Well, the two other things is, you know, unfortunate that was, you know, totally coming out during picture in picture, Warlow coming well, commercial out. Commercial breaks killed this fucking man. It really did. And, and I know that they're a necessary evil, but they could have picked better spots, I think. Yeah. And it's just that, that feeling that, when you have MJF and Jericho up there for the last five minutes and we never see the other eight guys, when the whole thing is anyone could submit or, you know, surrender at any time, it's like, but they're not even in the equation anymore. It's just fucking stupid to me. All right. So I I took 
some notes on this because I've been waiting to, to yeah, yeah, break yeah, this thing yeah. down here because I'm trying to be as even-handed as possible. I've put together a War Games match before when I was in MLW. I know how involved it is, how tough it is, how difficult it is to construct the ring, get guys comfortable with working in two rings and laying out who comes in where. And I think that the laying out who came in where that they did here was absolutely perfect. Sammy going in there first with Dax, Dax getting color, immediately establishing that this is a dangerous match because Sammy cut his arm. There's bleeding coming from Dax's head. Sean Spears coming in with the chair was cool for a second until he brought back chair shots to the head, which is like, you don't need that. It doesn't need to exist anymore in wrestling. It doesn't add to the product at all. You know, they bring in Ortiz, they bring in Wheeler. You, uh, you, you've got Santana, so you've got the tag teams going at it. Hey, shout out to the Dead Presidents look. That was awesome. Dead Presidents look was awesome, except Shivani bringing it up was the least authentic moment in wrestling <laughs> history. He's like, obviously, that's the Dead Presidents. Like, sure, Tony. Um, Wardlow's big entrance during the commercial break sucked because you didn't get it. Uh, the fact that they set up like the, uh, the, the Chekhov's gun of the only two keys are with the referees and then Tully gets the key during the commercial break and unlocks it because you didn't see it. Mike, I know commercials are a necessary evil, except you have State Farm who has deep pockets. They should have just been the sponsor of this. There should have never been a commercial break and that should have been it. There should absolutely have never been a commercial break after they went to the final five on five. Once that happens, you lock it there, you time it, you stay there until the end. Um, the ring padding thing, yes, it sucked. It was their overcorrection because of the Matt Hardy thing. You fix it with a camera angle. They needed they they the fact that somebody tweeted out a picture of war of the war game structure during the day and you saw everybody in the ring working it out beforehand. This was one of like the press people or something they let in. And the guy still put this on social media before the show. It was like, here's the cage for tonight. And what do you see inside the guys from both teams in regular street gear working through this? They should have worked the spot. They should have worked the camera angle. So you don't have this happen. It's a professional television show. Andrew Goldstein made that point on here. You're on TNT. You can't keep making these fuck ups. Testify. The, the, the why, why they quit. It should have been Jericho. It should have been Jericho's moment of toughness, which is fuck it. Throw me off the cage. I'm willing to die for this match and for my team. Not all of my guys now look like pussies. Cause you're like, please, please, Mr. MJF, don't do this. I thought Max on the top of the cage looked like a badass. the bleeding. He was selling. He was a coward, but then he overcame Jericho. He outsmarted him. He looked like a dastardly heel. And then the weird minor nitpick for me is, it's blood and guts, but they were basically like continuity wise. No, this is war games. Remember when you called the first blood and guts that happened in the Omni? So basically I can just make Star Wars episode 10, call it space fight, and then just have all the same characters. Dude, but in AEW's defense, someone should make space fight. Someone should make space <laughs> fight, but they don't own the rights to, they don't own the intellectual property rights to war games, which the story on that is kind of funny because WWE didn't renew the trademark on it. And MLW actually owned the trademark to war games, which is why we did a war games. And then WWE tried to send us a cease and desist. And we're like, no motherfuckers, we own the trademark to war games. And then we ultimately came up with a deal to give it back to them, which is why war games was able to happen. But what did MLW give get for that? Get, that I can't, deal? I can't disclose that, uh, that information, but it was one night with Stephanie and it was really not that good. Um, <laughs> I'm, you know, Robert, I'm going to say I'm okay with it because it is about history. It is yeah. 
Cody's fucking dad that did it. It's like, and those guys did call those matches. I mean, what else are they supposed to do? No, I think I, it would I be. I get it, but that history is technically owned by WWE because it's, it's fair, their but I actual property. More insulting to the intelligence if they acted like this was the first time they ever saw this. I do like modern wrestling fans that are like, oh, they just ripped off NXT War Games and put a roof on it. Like, you fucking idiots. All due respect. Um, but- I, I will, I'll, I'll be nice about the commercials because I don't understand commercials. And I don't know if TNT goes, this is when it happens. And you go, ah, okay, weird. I, I don't know how any of that works. No, you time out. You, sorry, when you just you get to you know, time Scott, it out. We, yeah, when you, when you make your show, you time out your commercial breaks. You oh, control wow. your, your, when, when so, we would so script Robert, or, okay, or so SmackDown or anything. Obviously, this Omega promo was, was, you would you would hope longer than it was supposed to be. Do you think that's a timing thing with trying to connect with that? And was there an error there that fucked up war games or no, because you can you can temper you build your match to certain spots when you know, all right, we have a commercial break coming up. Let's you know, you're you can always tell, especially in WWE, when somebody goes for a rest hold, it's like, oh, clearly going to commercial. The referee has told you, you, you know, when you're and you know, when you're back. And you can do stuff during their picture in picture, which is fine. But the big spots, the Wardlow coming in, the fact that Tully got the cage unlocked, we come back and it's like Jericho's climbing up the cage. I'm like, did I miss something? Do I need to rewind? It, it just, it didn't happen. You needed to sell that moment of how dastardly Tully Blanchard is. He attacked Bryce Remsburg. He got the key. I think the disappointing thing is the match overall was laid out well. They all busted their asses in this match. They delivered, but the unfortunate problem that AEW has, which was the WCW problem, is they they fuck up one detail and it mars everything. And you had a great match that now all anybody wants to talk about is how stupid the Jericho falling off the cage thing looked. Like Shotzi Blackheart tweeting the uh, the gif of her falling backward onto her bed. And selling it the same way Jericho did was kind of hilarious, but <laughs> yeah. you guys, yeah. You that, guys that, can't when do I that. saw that, I was like, "There's no way." Like this just reminds me of how they tucked Jericho in every night on the Jericho cruise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's hard to believe that that's the kill that that's the kill shot for any wrestler when we've seen it hundreds of times. Uh, you've seen yeah, guys also- fall off cages. I mean, Shane's done it and then continued to fight. Yeah, and it's also, it's like, you know, Foley did it, and he did it better than anyone, and we saw the aftermath of what happens when that's done to you. So, (laughs) it is like, yeah, we're not, I mean, I just want to say, yeah, we're not asking for wrestlers to hurt themselves, you know, over-the-top ways for entertainment. It's just come up with creative other finishes and stuff, and and yeah, I think, yeah, the Kenny segment and the Miro segment did feel like they were killing time. It was weird because like they were standing next to the cage and cutting promos. So it felt like something was being set up, but the cage was already set up. I don't I, mind the cage promos, though. I kind of think it's kind of cool. It's like oh, I think I, I think that's cool. If it's like uh, and again, I'm like, an Omega I'm just saying I would have allocated that time for commercial uh, time instead you could you could have burned through the commercial time and you could have done commercial breaks during the all right it's two minutes until somebody comes in fine but when you get to that final moment where at any second somebody can submit or surrender and now we're going to go to a burger king commercial it's like all right you kind of lose your audience a little bit because you know that not something's not going to happen during the commercial break and it ruins your suspension of disbelief because war games were always cool in the you never knew what was going to end it or when it was going to happen because it was going to be something really brutal and it, it just felt like, all right, they're going to make you wait until the end. And now we're getting a commercial break. It felt a little too TV-ish. 
And again, I just feel bad because the guys killed themselves. The blood, which I don't think you always need blood in wrestling, was was so well done here. And the guy, I mean, they looked cool with the with the way that they were uh, bleeding. Everybody had a moment to shine. There were a couple of unfortunate botches, like Sammy landing on his head and clearly like knocking himself senseless uh, was a little uncomfortable. But like there was the moment where Jericho had Sean Spears up in like the grating and was choking him in it. It was a really cool, intense shot, and they got it really well. And I was like, that could be a moment right there. Or it's gonna is the story gonna be Spears is gonna pass out rather than quit. Uh, having them in white so you could see the blood was a cool decision. The janitor suits that they, they, they're like, oh, we're prison jump. They look like janitors. And the fact that like each prison is from their hometown made me picture Jake Hager <laughs> Googling what prison is closest to me and then talking to words. I was like, guys, I, I did my homework. Here's you know he prison. knows. Come on. You know he knows. Oh, he's definitely <laughs> fucked a girl who's been there for sure. <laughs> he's definitely, yeah. I mean, I think he's had family reunions at that fucking place. <laughs> I, 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 again, though, I think it's like on paper, uh, this show makes total sense. I'll even say on paper, Omega versus Cassidy, if that is what happens, yeah. is like awesome in rules. I, um, but which is better than it's a green company. I mean, it's like a newer company. And so instead of just going like, oh, all of that was awesome because like we should give them a break. They are a green company. You have to at least go like, hey, that looked like shit. Otherwise, it's just going to always look like shit on paper. This rules. So if they just like fix some issues, they're fu- they're the best. They're I mean, they're already the best, right? Scott, uh, all due respect, they are a green company, quote unquote. Their production side is not. They have guys who've been around the industry for decades. Well, that's and know weird what then. Doing. Okay, yeah. Well, they're, they're, I don't know what yeah, that's about. They're, they're, they're actual producers that they have are, are wrestling, uh, I mean, legends, people who've done this for, for decades. I've worked with some of these guys. They know what they're doing. That finish could have been cooler if they shot it from a different angle instead of it looking like he was at a discovery zone and went flopping backwards into the ball pit. <laughs> yeah, it looks kind of relaxing. It, it looked fun like looked they, fun. Just, they have that the jericho cruise like as a joke now they'll set up the cage and let you jump backwards into a foam <laughs> what if scott's already getting his money what what if to correct it lance archer comes out next week and says that jake roberts has been squatting under under the stage <laughs> and he landed on his bed and now he's gonna fuck him up for it it's also why do you need all that padding when jericho brought his own <laughs> <laughs> all right folks let's get to uh, High spot, low spot of the week where we uh, talk about one thing we really loved about wrestling this week, one thing that we did not love. Uh, my high spot, uh, I'm going to say two. Uh, the Brian Pillman talk, documentary, of Dark Side of the Ring, is fantastic. Shout out to Evan and Andrew and everybody over there. And it was really nice to see Candice LeRae uh, win a title in NXT. And I thought the match was good, but I was I was just more excited for her just because, I mean, I just think she's been fantastic ever, ever since she came to that brand. So it was just great to see them, you know, and I'm a, I know that makes me a mark that I'm a, that I'm a title guy, but, you know, uh, deal with it. How dare my, you like wrestling? Yeah, my my uh, my low spot this week um, was without a doubt my wife watching me do the Monday Night Raw Patreon by myself. Um, especially because she decided to tune in during the part where I was describing Angel Garza putting a flower up Drew Gulag's ass. Um, I also really hated the, uh, there was like, like some, like something straight out of like the attitude era where like Austin theories, like made like a tits joke to Scarlett Bordeaux. And then now that's set up a match next week. And I'm like, well, this is just kind of silly. This doesn't feel like 
any one of the, I mean, it feels like kind of Austin Theory's character, but it doesn't feel at all like Carrie and Cross and Scarlet, you know, Bordeaux to do that. But uh, all right, that's that's me. Um, Scott, what was your high spot, low spot this week? Oh, dude, high spot. Shingo Takagi versus Will Ospreay. I hear it's amazing. Um, oh, dude, it's the best. I loved it so much. Uh, yeah, it's my favorite match this year. Some, you know, some some people are saying it's one of the best matches ever. Uh, I don't know about that, you know, but it's, it's un- 45 unreal. minutes and in Japan. So it has to be. Good. <laughs> well, yeah. And it's so it's 45 minutes. And also it's like um, a few of the guys in matches that night got covid. And so they canceled two matches. And so they had to go longer than they were going to. And it was still just, dude, I mean, these guys are. Like the future of wrestling is insane if Will Ospreay is is the guy that young guys are now gonna learn from. I think they found a positive to COVID. It's like two guys got sick, but instead we got a longer match. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, Ospreay's he is operating on an entirely different level in ring. Whoa, it's yeah. So I mean, if anybody find a way to watch it, because it's seriously uh it, it rules hard. And then my low spot. Ooh. Yeah, yeah, that ending to Blood and Guts. Again, not the not the bump because whatever, I'm a forgiving person. I mean, I mean, I guess I'm not forgiving because my issue is the stalling on top and uh it just not feeling like I should care when again, this is the cool dude. That thank you. Bro, remember when Jericho first came to AEW and the whole thing was I need my thank you. Everyone needs to thank me. Where's my thank you? It was like that was like the start of AEW was that. And then finally he gets a thank you from MJF last night. And it's what a fucking moment. This guy literally pushed the top guy off the top. It's the coolest thing in the world. Oh, but it actually sucks. Like that was, I mean, that stinks, man. That's a bummer. Mike. Um, my high point, seeing my name in a fucking wrestling documentary. Congratulations. Oh man. Your low point better be what I think it's going to be. Continue. What, sorry no just continue um no man i and i know i know that the documentary is getting flack in some places uh but i'm really proud of it um i think billy corbin and his crew did a great job and fantastic it, i mean i got i got paid to watch savage matches and write interview questions for wrestlers like that's the fucking coolest so uh, that, that was a high point and yeah I, I watched it and, and I really dug it uh, my low point Scott what is my low point well dude I thought your low point was going to be pe- some people's reaction to it because okay yeah I mean I'll, dude, I'll Lawrence I, I mean I, I I think I've only ever heard you speak highly of one person and that's Randy Macho Man Savage <laughs> <laughs> so for people to go like you know this thing attacked the documentary and uh, it's like the people I know that were a part of it i mean just love love randy savage so that was a bummer that people yeah i mean you know it's a thing of like you know he's dead uh so in some ways you get to say more uh, the ending. than some of the live ones <laughs> i'm sure um i and i think that it's just a thing of uh, you know those wrestlers like of that time are so entrenched in people's lives that they view them a certain way i thought that the documentary did a good job of showing nuance i we've never really seen gorgeous georgia's side of it i thought that was fascinating 
Um, you know, a few people uh, were upset about Dan Soder, you know, friend of the show's uh, joke about the way Randy died. I was there when they taped it. It's one of the funniest things I've ever seen. I think it's so great. It's so fun. And in order to be a wrestling fan, I think you have to have somewhat of a sense of humor about it. And the people who just worship this stuff and expect it all to be taken seriously, it's like there's already enough WWE documentaries. There already is a savage one for you. This was more about him as a person and the complexities of all that. And I thought they did a great job. So I mean, the gorgeous George video camera stuff, talk about not breaking kayfabe guys. I mean, you got to respect that about it. Yeah. I mean, you know, there was a weird thing where you, it's this weird thing in society. Now we're like, you either like, if you say one bad thing about somebody, then you're an enemy. It's like either somebody is uh, ultimate good guy or ultimate bad guy. There's just no shades of gray anymore. But that's what I'm going to say is like, it's also that thing of like what people will be like, well, why is this person getting to talk about him? Or why is that person? It's like, you know, we had the 10 years where Steve fucking Lombardi was in every one of these things <laughs> like where, where they all yeah. felt the same. It's like, you know, I, I helped recommend some of the names for this and it was like, Oh shit, that's interesting. You know, the fact that Billy got the guy who designed his outfits and shit. It's like, that to me is fascinating. You know, the, the humanity of these uh, people and the different parts of their lives and not just, you know, yeah, you got to see the Ricky Steamboat talking about that match. We've seen that before. And for people who don't watch wrestling and are tuning into A&E, that's important. They see that. But it's important for people who love wrestling to see other perspectives on this shit. So there, I'm done. Yeah, also like the priorities of like th- then you look at the Pillman thing, which which I watched and and I loved, but people walk out of that, you know, missing Pillman where you say, oh, his wife is the heel. I mean, Brian Pillman is the heel like he was he's the bad guy in that. I mean, I, I, it just seems like everybody's kind of wounded in that. If, if, if yeah. oh, absolutely. But if we're going to if we're going to sit here and say that his wife is the bad guy then he is the it's Bonnie and Clyde in that situation. <laughs> right. Well, that, that's, that's true. And uh, I have not seen the Macho Man one yet, but I'm looking for, I'm going to watch it tonight. So I'm, I'm pumped to see it. And I, uh, I, I know Mike and Billy are both awesome. So I can't wait to see it. Robert, what's your uh, high spot, low spots? My high spot of the week was uh, Roman Reigns versus Daniel Bryan for the WWE universal title on SmackDown. Uh, the match over-delivered, in my opinion, for a free match on television. It was a surprising finish because it was Roman going over clean, uh, beating Brian in the center of the ring, no chicanery, no Jey Uso, no screw job. And it was this feeling of, like, Brian's gone. And now there's this whole story that Brian is theoretically no longer under contract. And is he gone from the company? You know, it, it whether it's, it's real or whether it's a work, it made that match feel very important when they sometimes don't do that. It was win the title or you're banished. Months ago, when we were talking about Roman Reigns first winning the title, I said the payoff needs to be him versus Brian, title versus career, and Roman needs to win because the heel heat on him on TV would be huge. Him showing up now claiming that he has rid the WWE of Brian forever is a great story. And if Brian legitimately is, is gone, if he's taking time off, if he's going to go work, whatever it may be, it doesn't matter. This was a tremendous payoff. And the way they're booking this Roman Reigns character is some of the best work WWE has ever done. 
Uh, I have two low spots. One of them Dan touched on already, which was the Drew Gulak, uh, Angel Garza, Rose up the ass. Which is uh, insane because we saw QT Marshall's ass this week. And we're we still did, talking yeah, about but they, they blurred it and that disappointed me because that, that's what the fans want. They want to see QT's crack. But what was I heard they blurred it because there was a rose up it. Guys, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Garza's new thing now. He's just like, "Ooh, I'm the Johnny Appleseed, but buttholes and roses." Yes, it's like we it's will like, we will be selling Booty Marshall T-shirt. <laughs> Booty Marshall. <laughs> oh God. Um, what was strange about it was they didn't establish who the heel was in this match between Garza and Gulak going into it because it was just Garza walking around in the back with a rose and Gulak's like, "Hey, you look stupid with that rose. Let's fight." And he's like, I'm going to shove this rose up your ass. And then he wins and then shoves the rose up his ass. And I'm like, so was this a baby face making good on his promise? Was this a heel? I, I don't know what it was, so but they bizarre. were literally like, hey, shove the rose up his butt and kicked him. Coming up next on Raw. It's, it was, they moved past it. The other low spot, which was kind of a high spot for me, is we finished recording last Thursday. I come out to the family room. I put on ESPN to watch the NFL draft. I love watching the first the first round of the draft. It's great. The very first pick, the mighty Jaguars of Jacksonville, Florida, and they cut to their war room. And there's two tables. There's one table with Urban Meyer, legendary coach who I hate with a passion because he screwed the Gators over. All of these smart, intelligent scouts and people. And then there's another table sitting alone by himself with a notebook is Tony Khan. <laughs> I didn't know that. It oh is the greatest God. thing I have ever seen because they keep cutting back. I'm like, no one's talking to him. Even his dad, who at one point walked by him, had walked away. Everybody's <laughs> celebrating. And Tony's just sitting there by himself. Uh, just it was it was the epitome of everything I always thought about Tony Khan. On to, all right, nerd, you want to be here because your dad owns a team. You sit there by yourself. You book your Darby Allen bullshit. Leave the football to the rest of us. That was my like, high point, low point. I mean, I, I will like say John, this, though. He's done a way better job with fucking AEW than his dad has done with the Jaguars. But I, I feel like, like, the, like, like the only two times that Shad Khan has watched wrestling was the exploding barbed wire death match and blood and guts. He's like, <laughs> my money! My money! <laughs> Oh, uh, well, speaking of not making money, it's time for Grimmicks, where we, decide, where we decide which Grimmick gimmick was the worst. Uh, this week, it's the, it's, the, it's the Battle of the Sanitation Workers, Duke the Dumpster Drossy versus T.L. Hopper. I thought this was going to be hard, but when I watched the T.L. Hopper matches, I was like, yeah, this guy's better. This guy's way better. The character's way better. I mean, Duke the Dumpster Drossy is probably a better wrestler in ring than T.L. Hopper was. But like, you know, just like a creepy plumber is just like a more fun character than like a beloved grocery, like boy of a trash man. Also, like you can tell by the booking, Vince hates every job that has a strong union, you know, whether it's <laughs> trash man or writer hates it. Scott, what were you saying? Also, the thing about T.L. Hopper is it, in terms of what kids are afraid of. That is a very real thing. I remember being petrified of anybody coming over to fix a thing. Yeah, especially a toilet. Like your yeah. Toilet. Oh, it's just the dirt. It's just as as a kid again. I mean, plumber. Now I go, Jesus Christ! I should have been a fucking plumber, man. I'd have, you know, I'd have the nicest home anyway. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I just I genuinely was petrified of plumbers at the time. I I, I didn't know about T.L. Hopper, but I know if I saw him, I'd go, Oh no, 
What a nightmare. <laughs> and that's good stuff. He was uh T.O. Hopper was but white dirty white dirty white boy. Uh Tony Anthony and Smoky Mountain. He was like their lead guy for a good long while. So he was like a major uh dude in the Southern Territories. Uh and uh but, but uh, you could tell he was a baby face just because he had the name White Boy. Um <laughs> but <laughs> it's it's this interesting thing where you know like Duke the Dumpster Drozzy, I think was like kind of a mid-carter everywhere and like seeing like T.O. Hopper be this big deal in other promotions and then be the fucking plumber guy is just hilarious um I I would say I mean this is the thing I this is when I was watching I remember Duke the Dumpster Drozzy and I don't really remember T.O. Hopper so you're gonna say Duke the worst gimmick is T.O. Hopper yeah I think uh part of what makes T.L. Hopper so charming is Cornette used to always on camera bury Vince or like you had a wrestling plumber because they took one of his top guys and made him a wrestling plumber so you know how much it pissed him off uh, I think the unfair comparison for me with T.L. Hopper Scott is there was a TV show called Salute Your Shorts and on Salute Your Shorts there was an evil murderous plumber named Zeke the Plumber, which was the <laughs> single most terrifying thing I ever saw in my childhood. I saw Friday the 13th and Nightmare on Elm Street. That had nothing compared to Zeke the Plumber, who had part of his face blown off because of a gas explosion. And he would show up next to your bed, plunging in a toilet, and then suck the plunger into your face to steal your soul. T.L. Hopper had no heel heat compared to that. Uh, Duke the Dumpster Drossy was a great, mid-card babyface character he's the kind of thing again you want on a house show because when he comes out there for match one he's banging the trash can it's loud it's exciting he was a big hulking looking dude who probably could have gone a little better in the company but it was a more interesting character the wrestling plumber is it sounds like a it sounds like a punchline and it was it was death from the beginning so we're it's 50 50 me and scott think duke the dumpster is a worse gimmick camp on a wanna we hold you <laughs> in our hearts and when mike and robert about you it, it makes, makes me, me wanna, wanna fart all yes. right well mike and robert think teal hopper which means we have to we have to have a tiebreaker zach what is the worst gimmick the early 1990s of the wwf <laughs> 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 all right i think that means uh me and scott win um because tell hopper was 96 97 technically late 90s that's why i don't remember him all right all right um now it's time for everybody's new favorite segment tales from the indies we got a lot of submissions um i'll probably uh tell one if uh um I'll probably tell it after Scott, but uh, yeah, let's uh, let's let me take it. Let me give it to Scott. Okay, guys, uh, for new listeners, uh, Tales from the Indies. We did just start it last week. Uh, great episode. You should listen to it. Uh, it's when we talk about indie wrestling moments. I mean, disasterful indie wrestling moments, um, things that make us cringe, things that make us feel better about ourselves you know, pro wrestling uh, at its best. When we've done a full show and say, hey, let's also talk about indie wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> There's just something really magical about it. And I, I'm just genuinely interested in, in, in your story. So please definitely send them in. Um, unfortunately, a lot of the stories I got this week were just like, uh, 
all right, this was when uh, he was on a bender. And then it's just a guy having a drug overdose in the ring. You know, <laughs> I'm looking more for like guy uh, shits pants in ring because <laughs> he ate too much. Not guy shits his pants in ring because he doesn't know where he is. You know? Yeah, we're all aware of Scott Hall. Thank you. Yeah, we're not <laughs> bloopers, not accidents. You know what I mean? <laughs> There's a difference, I promise. <laughs> but uh, this and then he beat his wife in front of me. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. <laughs> that, um, that's what we're looking for. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, but this week, I want to I want to shine some light on. Uh, and, and you know what? I actually, I'll uh, I will post what you need to look up. Uh, on the wrestle roast thing so it'll like you'll know what to watch maybe some of you will have watched this um already if if you saw the tweet that's why you should follow us on twitter uh i'll tweet tweet it tonight but um pause the show right now go look up the clip and then come back yeah this is we'll wait uh this is where pro wrestling goes to die that is the name of the clip and um and it, it is the crusher versus some clown and I don't mean like I'm calling him some clown. That's what he's billed as. And I don't know if that's what he's billed as or if it's just this crowd didn't catch his name. It's definitely the most disrespect. It, it's like the stipulation of this match was uh, fans get to say how they feel about it <laughs> out loud. <laughs> because everybody had an opinion out loud Uh to the point where, so so after the match, hold on, I have to find the quote. The moment this match ends, again, and it's the Crusher versus some clown, and some clown is just some clown. Uh, it's just and a guy dressed like a clown. Oh, brother, I don't know. I don't have the... I don't, because this I don't, is in the South. This is either 1974 or last week. It's yeah, hard is, to tell. I mean, yeah, this is, I mean, it's it's definitely recent enough, and it is just, it's just a guy dressed like a clown versus the Crusher who is like, you know that kind of fat, that like comes with a pack of cigarettes like yeah. kind of like yeah, yeah yeah like it's like a drooping fat like the cigarette smoke makes it you know the 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 fat collapse it's one of those fat people <laughs> uh fighting the clown then the clown loses and then okay the match is like two and a half minutes the clown lays there after defeat for four minutes <laughs> and it's like he's tr- is he trying to sell a death angle it's very uncomfortable um the 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 moment the match ends the the fan video uh videoing it says i don't want to live on this planet anymore (laughs) and in that exact tone in that exact tone he just goes he just goes i don't want to live on this planet anymore (laughs) he also makes a comment about how this is better than fucking his wife which is bullshit because there's no way that guy either is married or has had sex no oh it's yeah it's Fuck, absolutely man. i totally I, I totally skipped i i did this come in the group text i totally forgot yeah it's to... it's about six in uh, about six minutes of your life you're not getting back dude here's uh, the geez. top comment i mean this is like if you want if if you want uh, yeah, a reason totally to watch up. this uh the top comment is whenever i feel stressed <laughs> About my job, bills, or just life itself, I spend five to eleven bucks to see wrestling like this to make me see that there are always others that have it worse than me. <laughs> the top comment, and that's and that's what this segment is about. It's about these feel good, but only we feel good moments in indie wrestling. So definitely uh, send them to us. Thank you. Awesome. Uh, an honorable mention, Todd Eason from Wrestle Radio Australia. Uh, this is from him. He goes, you want indie stories? I was on a show once where a guy wanted to do the Undertaker motorcycle entrance 
as a way to enter himself first in a rumble. Problem is he came into the building uh, early and didn't realize it until after he'd cut his promo. He then had to grab a chair and sit ringside for a match until the rumble. And then he cut the same promo again (laughs) before going into the rumble. So uh, yeah, I mean, so far, um, you know, life, you know, three professional wrestling zero, as far as the stories is concerned. I don't know what that meant, guys. Uh, <laughs> but it's uh, it was a long show, you know. Um, guys, we got something to sports entertainment with. It's on Monday. Mondays, you get it on Tuesday, uh, where me and Robert review Raw. This weekend, the roast of Dave Meltzer with Kurt Ryan. And we review Leprechaun Origins. And next week, we got the roast of Jerry the King Lawler. We got uh, the Eddie Gilbert shoot. And for Grimmicks, um, we're going to do... We're going to do some uh, Memphis gimmicks. Uh, Mike, do you have two for us? I do. Okay. Uh, I have um, the Galaxians, uh, which are an alien tag team as presented by Jim Cornette. And oh Cowabunga, the wrestling Ninja Turtle. I remember Cowabunga. <laughs> so there wait. you go. Uh, that's that's going to be uh, what we're talking about. Memphis is some silly ass shit and we're going to have fun with it. Yeah. And we're also going to be doing, you know, dynamite again. We're going to be doing high spots, low spots, tells from Andy bright side of the ring where we talk about all the things we loved about Jerry Waller. And uh, then the rest where we uh, bury that motherfucker. Uh, <laughs> let's uh, go through plugs. I'll start off first. Most important thing is uh, tell your friends about this podcast, man. Post about it in any wrestling forums. Uh, become a patron. You know, it's. I really do think it's the best patron deal you're going to get. And I think uh, this is quick, quick, quickly becoming the best wrestling podcast in the world, to quote CM Punk. Um <laughs> So please thank you all for uh, tuning in and, and and spreading the word. You know the growth has been great um, with the show. And I'm back in New York, so I'm doing stand up. I'm, I'm this weekend. I'm going to be at the uh, Comedy Cellar and Stand Up New York. I'm going to be at Arnold's Park at the end of the uh, the end of the month in Iowa doing a gig. Next month I'm going to be at Laugh It Up in Poughkeepsie. Uh, check it out, Mike. Uh, you can. Uh, my Instagram is Mike Lawrence Comedy. Uh, I just posted a detailed thing about uh, the process of finding out I'm autistic. So, you know, people have reached out and said it's helped them. And, you know, so if it helps you, then read it. And, you know, I'm happy to talk to you about it. If it helps you listen, continue listening to the podcast. So. <laughs> what if it's like, if, you, if it helps you become a patron, like we just use it together <laughs> from these guys. Scott. Uh, yeah, definitely join the Patreon and Scott underscore Chaplin on Instagram. Robert, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at wwcreative underscore ish. Thank you to all the new people who've joined the Facebook group. Uh, keep uh, keep joining on there if you haven't. And uh, I will be doing the bonus something to sports entertainment with. I'm going to be recording it on Friday, and then it will go up as soon as uh, I figure out how to send it to Zach. Does that mean we we oh, fuck? That means we still have to watch Raw on Monday, right? Yeah, no, we still have to watch Raw. <laughs> I on love Monday. Dan trying to get out of it nice. already. And you know what? I will no longer call myself uh, autistic. I'll just say I'm a four out of five stars on the Meltzer scale. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. I've already, I started writing some of these Meltzer jokes. These are fun, man. You just wrote, you just like took my name out and put in Dave Meltzer. It was just just text I've been writing about you behind your back for 10 years. (laughs) No, it's, it's, it's really going to be a fun roast. And Kurt, 
is uh hilarious so he's he's gonna be great on the show and i just want people to know we fucking bring it on these patreon roast um they're some of our best ones uh because we know only people as depraved as us uh will listen to them so we go darker we go weirder these are totally worth listening to guys we fuck melzer's wife on this page <laughs> Um. All right. Come on. Yeah, the that, second white fucking that? comment we today, fuck, we, guys. You hear that? We fuck Brian Alvarez. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're not gonna get any better than that. And uh, is that uh, Zach? Is there any other plugs besides Zach? Wash your hands. All right, folks. Wash your damn hands. Tune in next week.